Welcome. It's time to elevate your consciousness and tune in. This is Mastermind with your host, Dr. Rebecca. This show is about possibilities. If you're successful, ready, and highly motivated to make the necessary changes in your life, we'll provide the tools, direction, and encouragement to help you along the way. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca. Good morning and welcome to Mastermind. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca, and today we will be exploring the world of sound. If you're listening to this, then I can safely say that sound is a part of your life, right? It may be even a very important part of your life. So, then fully experiencing this episode on the power of sound will change your life. I'd like to invite you to pay a little closer attention for a few moments to this beautiful quote by Hazrat Khan in his book, The Mysticism of Sound and Music. Before its incarnation, the soul is sound. It is for this reason that we love sound. The man of science says the voice comes from the spine, the diaphragm, the abdomen, and the lungs. The mystic says that sound comes from the soul, the heart, and the mind. Let us see whether this is true. Before we sing or speak, the thought of singing or speaking comes. If we have not the thought, we cannot sing or speak. And before the thought, there is the feeling that causes the thought. In order to make the thought concrete, we must speak. The sound goes through the ear to the mind, the heart, and the soul. Today I have with me a very special guest, Mr. Julian Treasure. Julian Treasure is a top-rated international speaker. Collectively, his five, yes, five TED Talks on various aspects of sound and communication have been viewed more than 80 million times. His talk, How to Speak So That People Will Want to Listen, is in the top 10 TED Talks of all time. His audio branding company, The Sound Agency, works with major brands worldwide, proving that good sound is good business and pioneering the use of generative soundscapes instead of mindless music in spaces like airports, shopping malls, and offices. He has two books, Sound Business, which is the seminal work on creating effective business sound, and How to Be Heard, Secrets for Powerful Speaking and Listening. This is a practical guide to improving the vital personal communication skills of listening and speaking, both public and private, which have been eroded by our ocular culture, including our obsession with screens. Julian has been widely featured as a sound communication, sound and communication expert in the world's media, including Time Magazine, The Economist, The Times, and many international TV and radio stations and podcasts. He lives in Orkney, Scotland with Jane and their daughter, Holly. You can see Julian's full bio along with a link to his newest book, on the Mastermind page at voiceamerica.com. Julian, welcome to Mastermind. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. Why is this work important to you? Well, I think one of the major problems we have in the world today in terms of uh, the way society is going uh, and the way our happiness, effectiveness, and well-being are being affected is that we've gone unconscious a little bit, uh, well, quite a lot, actually. We've gone unconscious in our listening. And the world is noisy. We've become much more used to suppressing our consciousness of sound around us. And yet that sound is affecting us deeply all the time. And 
really the secret to getting out of this trap, I mean, the, the World Health Organization, for example, uh, is, is now saying sound is only just behind air pollution as a killer uh, and as a, a mm. detriment to health. And there are millions and millions and millions of people uh, we, you know, we can talk about this in more detail later, but the millions of people whose lives are being blighted by noise in one way or another. Um, and yet nothing is being done. You know, there aren't many politicians standing up saying, vote for me, I'll make it quieter. Uh, it, it's a, a, a massive hidden issue. Uh, we, we, we have two ears, but we don't use them very much, not in a conscious way. So the secret to uh, overcoming all of these really serious issues um, is conscious listening. It's listening that underpins everything. My book is about speaking and listening, of course, but um, in the book, uh, and central to the book really, is the idea that speaking and listening are intimately related. It's a circular relationship. Uh, The way you Mm. listen affects the way I speak. The way I speak affects the way you listen. Uh, They are always going round and round like that. So I think it's pretty difficult to be a great persuasive powerful speaker if you're not also good at listening to people listening to me is the foundation it's the bedrock and it's absolutely critical that we move into conscious listening not least uh, simply because of the politics that we see going on around us now you know politicians go off right. for talks and i think we'd be far better off if they went off and had listens instead um you know, it's all talk, talk, talk and shout and, uh, you know, bombast and dogmatism and so forth. And, and there's not a lot of listening going on. And sadly, uh, I think that's undermining democracy. I think listening is the sound of democracy. Uh, if we don't listen to other people, we don't understand them. And if we don't understand them, it's very difficult to live in civilized disagreement, which is absolutely necessary to be in a democracy. Otherwise, you're into the thing of, you know, if I disagree with you, I'll hit you or kill you or in some other way uh, deal with you. But, you know, it's not okay for you to disagree with me. Well, I can access that by listening to you and understanding. Even if I don't agree with you, I can see where you're coming from. So there's just all sorts of reasons why I think it's never been more important that we rediscover the lost art of listening. So this brings up a question you mentioned, uh, conscious listening. What is the difference between listening consciously and unconsciously? Well, listening is a skill. It's an activity. It's very different from hearing. So let's distinguish those two things, first of all. You hear everything. You have no ear lids. And your ear is a miraculous piece of engineering. (laughs) Uh, As far as I'm concerned, you have one small membrane and three tiny bones and the membranes vibrating and kicking those bones, which then vibrate a bigger membrane and that oscillates fluid, which makes little hairs move. And those hairs are all sensitive to different frequencies. And when they move, they kick off little neural impulses and your brain decodes all of this, you know, one tiny little membrane, three tiny little bones. And that produces the richness of everything you hear from Beethoven to a steam a hammer in a, in a street you know it's it's incredible to me that uh, that mechanism is so um adaptable and uh, the, the sensitivity is enormous you know it's a billion times i think at least a billion times uh, from the, the quietest sound you can hear to the loudest sound you can tolerate in terms of intensity something like a billion times so 
it is um, an amazing piece of equipment. You can't turn it off. It works even while you sleep. And yet that's different from listening. Listening is not hearing. You hear everything, and there are two things you do to listen. One is you select certain things to pay attention to, and you discard the rest. And the second is that you make those sounds mean something. So my definition of listening is making meaning from sound. Now, we're doing that all the time. We may not be paying attention to much of the sound around us, and we may not be paying attention to the way we're making meaning. So that process kind of defines a, a pretty fixed reality. Whereas if we become conscious that we're doing something, that it's, a, it's an activity, well, first of, all, first of all, we can become better at it. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's absolutely true, that we can actually improve our skill in this area. Um, that's very important because like any important activity, you know, um, you, you don't want to just assume it's okay. Uh, we don't become fit by sitting around doing nothing. We don't Great. learn by not reading books or not listening to people. It, it, you have to work to improve and it's the same with listening so we can work at it we can actually improve it as a skill uh, and secondly if we're conscious that we're actually doing something then we can start to step outside of the meaning making and the selection and pay attention to things that perhaps we wouldn't normally pay attention to and ask mm -hmm. ourselves you know why is it i'm making that mean this it may be because it's a sound we're familiar with, and every time we've heard it before, it's meant that. Uh, and sometimes that's very important to be doing that at a, you know, an unconscious level. Um, sound is our primary warning sense. Hearing is our primary warning sense. So if you hear a sudden, unexpected or inexplicable sound, particularly if it's loud, your body will react before you're even conscious of it. I mean, that, that happens at limbic right. level before it, right. it goes to the cortex, before there's any processing at all you'll get cortisol and noradrenaline and things happen you know and your body is ready to fight or flee uh, however a lot of the meaning making does happen in the cortex and it does happen across our wonderful brains and we have time to think about it and to challenge it you know why do i find that person's voice irritating what's in there for me to discover or why do i find that sound particularly gorgeous and soothing that's an interesting question as well so we can start to get involved in the process and that means we can take some control and actually start to change our entire reality which is quite an exciting prospect i think it definitely is just by becoming conscious of what we're hearing and then also um, what our intentions are and what the intentions are of whoever's providing that sound can also um help to change the way we listen and the way we speak, like you said, in a circular type of way. Yes, intention is incredibly so, important, I think, with all sounds. So that's, a, that's a, a very important word to introduce into the conversation. You're right. Yes. So I do have a question. You, you, the quality or the, the, you talk about this in your book. There are certain types of sounds and there are certain qualities to different sounds that are either soothing or... Uh, might be grating to the nerves, might want to make us, make us want to move away or move towards those sounds. Um, can you talk about that just a little bit? 
Yes, well, first, it's important to say that there is a lot of individual variation here. So it's, it's quite dangerous to make sweeping generalizations about the way sound affects people. Um, fundamentally, it works in four ways. And, uh, you know, I created this model 15 years ago, and I've been kicking it ever since, and I haven't found anything else to add to it. So I think these are pretty robust. The four ways sound affects everybody listening to this First, physiologically, it changes your mm -hmm. body. So we just talked about, for example, fight, flight, reflex. Sound can change your heartbeat, your breathing, your hormone secretions, even your brain waves. So all of your physical rhythms can be entrained by external rhythms. So, you know, if I teleport you into a nightclub with pounding dance music at 150 beats per minute, your heart rate will go up immediately. Right. On the other hand, if you Correct. sit next to gentle surf on a beach which is running at perhaps i don't know 10 12 cycles a minute your heart rate will reduce and you'll feel uh, you'll, you'll be relaxed physically so very powerful effects physiologically and you only have to I, I don't know if you stand on train stations ever i had an experience not so long ago where i wasn't looking and a train came past at about 60 miles an hour through the station i was standing in oh, it, yes. you know I, I probably jumped about two feet, you know, uh, that right. actually has been shown to, to be dangerous for particularly older people who may have a heart condition. So, uh, you know, sudden noises can be very dangerous as well as unpleasant. The second way sound affects us is psychologically changes our feelings, our emotions. And you only have to think of music to understand that that's true. You know, we can, uh, yeah. counter a mood with with music you know if we're feeling down put on a happy song or the other way around uh, or we can amplify a mood you know if we want to wallow in something um, then we can really really go for it with uh, you know tragic music when we're feeling sorry for ourselves or right. whatever so music can be enormously powerful in changing our feelings and other sounds can too I mean we've learned over hundreds of thousands of years that when we're surrounded by birdsong normally things are okay. That's normally a sign that everything's fine and safe. So most people intuitively find birdsong a, a, a kind of secure, safe, comforting uh, sound. The third way sound affects us is cognitively. How well we can think is dramatically affected by the sound around us. Hmm. And here we have to open up the whole conversation about open plan offices because... <laughs> That is a, a schema which is unfortunately veneering the entire world. I and mean, it seems like there's only one kind of office space anymore, and that's open plan. Well, open plan offices are great for one kind of working, which is collaboration. Really good for that. They are right. rubbish for concentration or contemplation because you're sitting being interrupted, or they may not mean to, but everybody around you is talking you have no earlids, you're programmed to decode language, and you have bandwidth for roughly 1.6 human conversations. So if you're trying to think, there's a little voice in your head you're actually trying to pay attention to when you're writing or doing math or whatever it may be, if you're really doing knowledge work like that. And if there's somebody next to you talking about their great night out last night and so forth, you can't shut them out. They're taking out one of your 1.6 and the research shows that your productivity, if you're trying to do that kind of work, goes down to roughly one third of what it would be in a quiet space. 
So there is a devastating effect on productivity going on in open plan offices, uh, which is little understood. Uh, and we really need to make an effort to design different types of office space for different types of working, quiet space, contemplative space, you know, maybe lively space, social space, and of course, collaborative space, but it's not the only thing. The fourth way in which sound affects us is behaviorally. It changes what we do. Um, My favorite study on this one actually was done some years ago by some academics in a supermarket where they, they tested a scenario where there were two displays, identical displays of wine. One was German wine, one was French wine, kind of next to each other. And all they did was to alternate a music condition. Day one, some French music. Day two, some German music. Keep going for a long time, alternating like that. So what happened on the French music days, French wine outsold German wine by five bottles to one, which may not be too surprising. It does sell more on the world market. But... On the German music days, German wine outsold French wine by two bottles to one. Now that is a massive shift in behavior. And that's not conscious. You know, that is not people coming in and going, ah, German music, therefore I should buy German wine. Doesn't work like that. It's unconscious. It's simply (laughs) a sound condition. And people went over and bought the German wine instead of the French wine. So, you know, now if you're listening to this, ask yourself what sound how is sound affecting you every day? How is it affecting your behavior Mm. in ways that you're not even conscious of? So that's one of the reasons why I think it's very important to teach people to become conscious of the sound around them and to ask questions about our relationship with it. Those are the four ways in which sound affects human beings. They're very powerful. Most of it goes on underneath the, the, uh, the line of our consciousness. You know, we're not thinking about these things all the time. We're not even conscious of these sounds most of the time. And I believe it's incredibly important that we turn our listening back up, you know, that we, we regain this lost sense. And it's a wonderful thing because it's like suddenly having a doorway to a new country that we can <laughs> explore. You know, it's like turning up the color on a black and white picture. Suddenly you have a new dimension to life and it's a very important one i like that and this is a great place to pause here um when we come back i would love to talk to you some more about some very specific ways practices to like you say turn this up or turn the turn our listening up how do we learn how to listen better so this is mastermind we'll be right back we're talking to julian treasure follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel are you ready to move to your next level listen for empowering women transforming lives with host rebecca hall greider each show will focus on a central topic with discussion guests and your questions being featured our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement inspiration and practical steps to support them on their journey empowering women transforming lives can be heard live every thursday at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on the voice america influencers channel and join us for a replay of the show on wednesday at 2 p.m pacific time 5 p.m eastern time on the voice america empowerment channel are you ready to be fabulous 
You know, science has proven that women thrive in a tribe together. And now we invite you to join two fierce females, otherwise known as Sheila and Sarah, as they help you take the journey from flat to fabulous. It's fun, terrific stories and wise insight every week. Take better control of your life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time for Life from Flat to Fabulous on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Create happiness now. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. To reach out to us during the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to Dr. Huey at lifthealing.com. Now, back to Mastermind. Welcome back to Mastermind. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca, and I am speaking with Mr. Julian Treasure, sound expert and author of the book, How to Be Heard. Before the break, we learned about the downsides of living in an increasingly visual society, almost obsessed just with the visual um, inputs and not paying conscious attention to sound. Um, We also learned what it's like to listen consciously. So, Julian, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about some practical things that we can do to listen better. And in your book, we, you mentioned seven listening practices to hone this skill of listening. Can you talk to us a little bit more about how to hone these listening skills? Sure, I'd be delighted. They're, they're simple things. They cost nothing, um, but they do take a bit of discipline. It's, um, it's easy to fall out of these habits. Uh, so, again, consciousness is key. The first of the seven practices that uh, I recommend anybody uh, undertakes to become better at listening consciously is to reforge your relationship with silence. Silence is something that we don't get that much of these days. Uh, I know plenty of people who live in cities who feel pretty uncomfortable if they go to the country and they're surrounded by dead quiet. Uh, it, silence is a very important sound. I agree with it. Dame Evelyn Glennie, the mm-hmm. world-famous percussionist, said that silence is a sound. And I, I agree with Evelyn about that. Um, it is the baseline. It, it's, it's also the context for all sound. It's absolutely crucial that you have the gaps. You know, you can't have a mountain without a valley. And just in the same way, words are meaningless if you don't have the gaps between them. Music is meaningless if you yes. don't have the gaps between instruments playing. So silence kind of defines sound in that way. More than that though, for our tired old ears, it's really important to give them rests and to recalibrate them on the baseline. Any recording engineer will work for 45 minutes or maybe an hour and then go and have a few minutes where they are sitting in quiet because their ears need time to recalibrate. Otherwise you go deaf. I mean, not literally, but you can't distinguish and everything gets louder and louder, just like it does in the world going up by uh, roughly a decibel every two or three years, according to some estimates. So getting a few minutes of silence a day is a very, very good practice. Maybe you can do that first thing in the morning, or maybe just go and lock yourself in a small room at lunchtime. If you can't get absolute silence, that's okay. Don't be 
obsessive about it. Just basic peace and quiet is um, pretty good. Um, and then it's like having a sorbet in a meal. You recalibrate, you refresh, you're able mm-hmm. to go back out and uh, experience afresh. So that's sort the first. cleansing your palate. Exactly. Exactly like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second exercise I recommend, I call it the mixer. And this is uh, a practice of attentiveness. It's wherever you are, disentangling the sounds around you and imagining that you're an engineer at a mixing desk in a recording studio and you have different sliders, faders for each channel, each channel being one sound. So if you're in a busy cafe, how many people can I hear talking? How many sounds around me can I disentangle? You know, chairs moving, air conditioning, baristas banging and thumping, uh, people calling out, people talking music whatever it may be it's not just mush and if you get into the practice of listening to the separate channels you really improve the quality of your listening and you can make better decisions about what to pay attention to and indeed how it's become conscious of how it's affecting you and whether it's good for you or not the third exercise is called savoring and that is pretty much Um, like you would with food. You know, when we put food in our mouth, we're tasting it. We obviously spit something out if it tastes bad and we know it's not good for us instinctively. We don't have that option so much with sound in the sense that we can't spit sound out of our ears. But what we can do is take ourselves to a different place. Or if it's home, we can change things. So this is a great exercise to go around in your home, for example, Uh, When you get home this evening, go around and shut your eyes in each room and listen. And just ask yourself, is this good? What can I appreciate? Is there anything I want to change? Sometimes, you know, there are devices at home which are uh, really uh, unconsciously affecting us. Uh, I'm unfortunately um, guilty. I have to hold my hand up here of many times (laughs) staying in American hotels uh, going out of my room and unplugging the ice machine, which is just around the corner and is making oh, the most wow. appalling racket. Uh, <laughs> or unplugging the fridge. You know, they put fridges in the room and they're in a unit and you have to fight to get to the back of them. But I do because the fridge all night is otherwise going. These kind of sounds are not, they're not particularly healthy. And if you're conscious, you can be actually saying, hang on, I'm not having that. I'm going to change that. So uh, the mixer is a good way of appreciating underappreciated sounds. And the example I always use when I'm giving speeches and keynotes around the world is, is a kettle. You know, it's a simple device, but if you listen to it, it's a really rich and interesting sound from start to finish as it bubbles and um, it, it, it turns itself off. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of frequencies in there and it's really quite interesting. Um, now, may not interest everybody but i'm sure there are sounds around everybody (laughs) listening to this which they would appreciate if they paid some attention or sounds which are negative which you just haven't noticed and if you notice them you can do something about it so savoring then we have um sorry go on just just a quick comment on that and so there's a lot of times when because we are so familiar with sounds they become we can't hear them anymore Mm. so these negative sounds that you reference a lot of times are things that we've become so familiar with that somehow we don't hear them anymore and so I like this idea of doing this exercise consciously to 
rehear some of these things, these things that we've forgotten that we're actually listening to. At the sound agency, when we're dealing with particularly retailers, we very much like uh, an exercise where we blindfold them and walk them into their premises. Uh, you know, I've had people uh, very high up in supermarkets saying, oh, we don't have sound at our stores, by which mean they mean <laughs> they're not playing music. But when you take them in and they hear the chiller cabinets or cooler cabinets and they hear the clashing and squeaking of trolleys and the pounding of the air conditioning and everything else, you know, it's like a factory in there sometimes. Yes. And it's not surprising that we all go in and get out as fast as possible, not to mention checkout beeps, of course. And I think I always feel for the poor people who work on the checkouts in oh, that yes. cacophony of beeps, random beeps are very disturbing sounds. They're alerts. They're supposed to alert us. And if you have those coming at you all day, you're going to be in a state of some stress all day. It's not a particularly <laughs> healthy place to work, I think. Um, so anyway, back to listening practices. Uh, numbers uh, four, five, and six are listening with, from, and four so different ways of listening listening with i had the pleasure of working with a teacher in the u.s actually who uh, had devised this method of teaching small children how to listen and it was they had this little mantra we listen with our ears with our eyes and with our heart <laughs> listening with those things is very different and you can do this as a as a as an exercise if you want to work with somebody um, just have one person talking, the other person just listening with ears. So you're not looking at them, just listening to them. Then look at them and engage the eyes. And that's a different quality of listening. And then engage the heart and empathize. And that changes uh, the feeling completely. Um, one of the big distinctions in my book is that we always speak into a listening. There's a listening going on all the time in somebody else. And if you're listening with your heart it makes the speaking of the other person much easier. Uh, whereas if you're listening in different ways, as we'll talk about in a moment, it can make it very, very much more difficult. So listening with ears, eyes, and heart. Then there's listening from. Now this is a really important distinction. I call it listening positions, not physical positions, but a place to listen from, a metaphorical place to listen from. We all listen through a whole set of filters, you see. And those filters start with the culture we're born into, the language we speak, then along the way, the values, attitudes, beliefs that we accrete from parents, teachers, role models, friends, whoever. And then any situation, we also will have intentions, expectations, maybe emotions going on. So the filters are different from person to person. And what that means Ladies and gentlemen, listening to this is that your listening is unique. Nobody listens like you do. And it's a huge mistake in speaking that people make uh, that they think everybody listens like I do. So I'll just speak as if I'm speaking to myself, whoever I'm talking to. Well, they don't. They listen in their own particular way. And this exercise of listening with is becoming conscious of that. Uh, sorry, uh, listening from is become con becoming conscious of that. So you're starting to play with the filters to ask yourself, what are my filters? And there are exercises in my book about uh, discovering that and then deciding where should I be listening from in this particular conversation or at this particular place? 
uh, you could be listening actively, which is very much used in therapeutic professions. I'm sure you're very familiar with this, Dr. Rebecca. Um, right. As in, yes. <laughs> what I hear you say is dot, 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 and you repeat exactly what the person said without any coloration or interpretation so that they feel heard. That's how you get somebody to feel heard. Yes. It's very powerful. Uh, for example, if you use that with teenagers who quite often have the experience of not being heard and being told to go to their right. room, tidy up or turn that down or whatever it may be. And uh, it can be a very strong way of listening to people. Although you can't do it all the time. You wouldn't have many friends if you weren't around. <laughs> what I heard you say is, <laughs> to everybody, um, right. that's, that's one, one listening position, active listening or reflective listening. Critical listening. We do that most of the time, in in particularly in business, and that's the little voice going, "Oh, I didn't know that. Where did he get that from?" Well, the, the little voice that just said, "Everybody listening to this, what little voice is he talking about?" That one, the little <laughs> voice in your head, it's always there. It's kind of an editor, um, an assimilator, a critic, and it's always going. That's a great place to listen from a lot of the time in business. It's not so good if you're having an emotional conversation. If somebody's telling you about something they feel really mm. upset about, you perhaps want to move into empathic listening, not critical listening, and actually go onto their island, feel their feelings, uh, be with them there. And, and that leaves them feeling not just heard, but also understood, particularly if you, if you validate the feelings so, different, so not different. listening with an agenda, but just enjoying the journey of the conversation and kind of just being with the person in that conversation without coming to any specific conclusion or trying to solve a problem for them necessarily. Yeah, there's a, a, a distinction I very much like, which is the clean language distinction, which comes out of, um, I think, NLP work people have done in the past. But I think it's a very nice system to think about clean questioning is questioning where you don't put your agenda into the question so as opposed to saying did you have the eggs or the fruit for breakfast yes. it, it would be saying what did you have for breakfast so yes there's no, there's no directional steering there <clears throat> um, again very important in therapy uh, depending on what you want to achieve as an outcome um, and uh, we'll come back to kind of questions uh, in a moment when we get to the last of the seven um, and you mentioned kind of uh, being on the journey with the person. I, I, I tend to caricature that as a bit of a gender stereotype, that men tend to listen for a point, and I call that reductive listening. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a sort of solution there. There's an end point. There's somewhere we're going. There's a point to this conversation. Women, on the other hand, tend to, and I'm, this is total generalization, not all women, not all the time, but um, tend to listen more uh, expansively. That is to say just enjoying the journey there isn't a point to it it's being on a journey with the other person accompanying them and seeing where it goes really and uh, right. so being conscious of these kind of listening positions one can start to ask where would be the best place for me to listen from and uh, so you know the, the the clash of reductive expansive is is the prime reason i think why so many people complain what's the biggest complaint in relationships he or she never listens and that's yes, often because yes. they're in that different listen. You know, she comes home and said, I've had, a, I've had a dreadful day. This happened, this happened, this happened. He looks up from the football match and says, have a bath. You always feel better after a bath. And in the male world, problem solved back to the football. In the female mm -hmm. world, 
that wasn't quite what she was looking for. You know, she would much rather have heard, oh, you poor thing, sit down, let me get you a glass of wine, tell me all about it. You know, that's tell expensive. Tell me all about it. Yeah. Is there yes. more, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. That's an opening. It's expansive listening, whereas the male thing tends to be to close it down and come to a point and move on, particularly if there's a football game going on. So Exactly, especially if there's a game on. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, if one becomes conscious of these places, where am I listening from? Where could I be listening from that might be more productive? And then uh, the, the listening for that's a kind of mining process. It's having a clear agenda in the conversation. It's understanding what am I going into this for? What's my intention here? Uh, and then you can become quite selective in the listening. I'm listening to learn something here. I'm listening to find points on which I can disagree and prove the other person wrong, or I'm listening to empathize, or I'm listening to, I mean, there could be any number of different goals what's the truth here uh, you know a lot of different things you can listen for listen for lies yes um and there's a great uh, ted talk by pamela Meyer and a book by her about listening for lies incidentally to anybody who's particularly interested in that uh, kind of listening uh so listening for again is a, is a very important practice and finally we have rasa which is uh my little acronym for a really good way to operate in a conversation it's the sanskrit word for juice but in this context, it stands for receive, appreciate, summarize, ask. So receive. Now, can I? I'm sorry. Yes. Let me just pause right here. We need to take a break. Oh, can sure. we come back to Rasa? Okay, great. So we're listening to Julia Treasure, and this is Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. We will be right back. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. To reach out to us during the live show, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine five. Again, that's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine five. Or you can send an email to Dr. Huey at lifthealing.com. Now back to Mastermind. 
Welcome back. This is Dr. Rebecca with Mastermind, and we are talking to Julian Treasure. Before the break, we were going over seven listening practices, how to improve our listening with specific skills designed to make us almost masters of listening. And the last one was RASA. And so, Julian, I'd like to, for you to pick up with this one, because this one is really important, I think, and very, very easy to understand and remember because of the acronym. Yeah, I like acronyms, but that's largely because I have a terrible memory, so they help me uh. <laughs> more than anybody else. Um, Rasa, receive, appreciate, summarize, ask. So receive is uh, showing that you're paying attention. Now, it, it is very common, particularly in our always-on world and we've got devices all the time you know how many times do we all experience the phenomenon of faux listening or false listening or semi-listening or partial listening where somebody's typing away and yeah yeah i am listening and it's sending a te- no you're sending a text to somebody that's not listening right. scott scott peck had a wonderful <laughs> quote about this he said you cannot truly listen to another person and do anything else at the same time and i think there are billions of people on this planet who've never had the experience of being truly listened to in that way mm-hmm. it's a gift that you can give to somebody try it tonight go home and do this truly listen that is pay 100 percent attention you're not doing anything else at all that means you look at the person as they're speaking it also means you might for example lean forward or you might um you know, show physically that you're pointing at them, that you're not trying to leave the room, your feet aren't pointing in another direction, you're not itching to do something else, you're still and listening and looking. So that's receive. Appreciate is uh, giving feedback. It's little noises like, mm, oh, really? Oh, mm, that's amazing. Little things like that. <laughs> or if you're, if you're face-to-face right. with somebody, nodding, raising your eyebrows, you know, m- mirroring their body language a little bit we do that in unconsciously you know you don't have to work at this um as long as you're engaged and you're uh, you're fully locked into the conversation and you're not doing stuff like uh, for example speech writing i always call it where you're actually not listening you're composing your next right. brilliant piece of dialogue uh, <laughs> don't, don't do that trust your mouth you know it'll come out right if you listen properly then the response will come out um, probably much better than if you better uh, write right because you've heard the person and what they say exactly said. exactly and of course you know a lot of people who who don't do that uh, fall prey to interrupting or uh, dismissing you know the old anyway onto what I want to say that that kind of <laughs> um, rather demeaning way of talking to people and then people get upset when you treat them like that you just cast aside what they said. Um, so the A is appreciate. The S is summarize. And if you visualize a conversation as a long corridor, summarizing is really important. It's closing the doors behind you on chunks of content so that you can move forward. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a summarizing person, a so person in a meeting, it can be a very long meeting and go round and round and yes. round in circles. <laughs> what do they say? Meetings are places where you take minutes and waste hours. Um, and that's true <laughs> like of that. lots of meetings. Uh, so closing those doors behind. So what we've just agreed is this. Now we can move on to that. Or so what you've just said is this. It's also a very good way of validating that you've understood them, that you haven't got the wrong end of the stick. So you're really saying this? Yes. Okay. I get you. Let's move on. Um, the word so massively 
abuse these days what's your name so i'm julian no i don't see i'm not julian because you just asked me you know uh, there are sadly there are even you know ted talks you can watch where the first the person comes on stage and the first word they say is so so uh, it's I being um, it's being abused in that way it's a very important little word it means um you know that then this we've we've agreed that now we can move on to this and then the a of rasa is ask ask questions at the beginning, at the middle, at the end, all the way through, asking uh, open-ended questions, ideally, and if you can manage it, clean questions that aren't sort of putting your stuff in there so that you really tease out what somebody's saying. Rasa, very powerful in conversation. Uh, so those are the seven practices I you know, really recommend. Uh, take them on, take one on do it for a week, see how you get on, um, and then move on to another one. And it really does work. If you start to ingrain them a little bit into your psyche, and like anything, you know, we're, we're quite good at forming habits. Yes. We stick at it for a few weeks, uh, but it's, it's not going to be easy at first. And it's very easy to slip out of these things. Nevertheless, what they will do is allow you to choose more wisely what you're paying attention to, and make the meanings more consciously than you have been. That means you can change your reality for the better. I love changing reality for the better. That's what this show is all about. And I also think that if we practice this on a regular basis, that positive feedback and the positive change that we get in our lives and from other people will make us want to continue to practice these things. So, so. it's a very, very, yes very, very good exercise or series of exercises to do. I'd like to switch gears just a little bit. And we were talking earlier about the ways that sound affects us. And I know that you work with businesses and you are an expert at what you call oral architecture and explaining what oral architecture means and how that influences us as people and also us as a collective culture. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so noise is a real issue, and noise simply means unwanted sound, so it's a subjective definition. You know, your noise might be my music, or vice versa, often is the case between people. Nevertheless, there's uh, quite a lot of sound that most people would agree is undesirable and unhelpful, and it arises a lot of the time in buildings that we've made, and it's unfortunate that architects spend so much time on how things look and really don't think very much about how things sound. If you ask an architect to show you their work, they'll show you a drawing, a painting, a, a photograph, a, a mock-up, a model, anything, but they won't talk about how it sounds. Mm. And that is fundamental. We, we, we have designed innumerable buildings which simply are not fit for purpose because of the sound in them. There's acoustics to consider, you know, the surfaces that we use inside of buildings tend to be all hard. That's fashionable these days, metal, glass, yes. steel, stone, you know, the best you'll get is wood. And that's quite reflective. Anything that, that uh, is hard bounces sound back into the room. And so you get a kind of acceleration of noise and noise um, goes up and up. It's called the Lombard effect. If, if people are in the room, they all start. They all end up shouting, you know. And we've all been to restaurants where that's the case, where you, you leave with yes, a sore head definitely. and a sore throat because you've been bellowing at your companion from like a foot away uh, for the whole evening because everybody else is. Um, so 
acoustics are very important. And then you've got noise sources. Uh, you know, why we have to, thanks to Starbucks, we all have to watch our coffee being made now. Why we have to have these <laughs> machines in the same space that we're trying. The, the phrase a quiet coffee is now an oxymoron. It doesn't exist. You can't have a quiet coffee because the performance is going on of making someone right. else's coffee. And uh, true also, in, you know, in restaurants, they have the coffee machine in the customer space very often. Don't understand that. So we, we've gone a bit deaf to having these devices. And don't get me started on smoothie makers and uh, <laughs> all sorts of other <laughs> things which, you, which, which uh, intrude on your personal oral space. Uh, a huge amount and then of course you step outside and you've got traffic noise aircraft noise construction noise and so forth um they are, so, are intrusions and like you said we don't have ear lids so we don't really have often have a choice they are intrusions and we can sometimes minimize our exposure to them but often we can't that's right and they tend to go on for a long time because people don't spot them the people running the places simply don't spot them. Um, going back to restaurants, there's a lot of restaurateurs, restaurateurs who confuse noise with buzz. You know, you can have a quiet buzz, uh, but they don't think that that's possible. So noise tends to be the target there. But you go shopping and there are squeaks and buzzes and hums and bangs and crashes and stuff going on around you. Uh, so noise is a problem. Then the, the third issue we have in spaces is sound systems. If you put one in, it's normally unfortunately quite a cheap one especially if, if you're in a shopping mall or somewhere uh, so if they start to play music or make vocal announcements the sound is really horrible uh, and then of course there's the content and the sound agency my company does a huge amount of removing what we call mindless music um, fast-paced music not only can often be inappropriate and often sounds terrible through bad sound systems it also speeds us up so we leave faster. And I right. don't think that's really what most shops want. So they're right. actually shooting themselves in the foot. Linger. <laughs> yeah, sure. You want to have you know, something that's more relaxing or restful, unless it's a, you know, if it's a fashion shop, then there's this connection between fashion and, and uh, dance or club music or whatever it might be. You want to have that kind of vibe. Great, but not in a mobile phone store or a crystal glass store or, right. or a cafe <laughs> where you want to have a quiet sit down and, you know, rest your weary limbs. So there are, it's right. a question of appropriateness and thinking about acoustics, noise, sound system, content, we do that all the time. Sadly, a lot of the most important spaces that we and our children occupy are appallingly bad. Uh, when we start with schools, mm. there are millions of children leaving school every year without having heard their education because the acoustics in classrooms are terrible. Generally, they've not been designed very well and... Uh, uh, speech intelligibility, you know, even halfway back in the classroom can be as low as 50%. And it declines from there. And who sits at the back? The naughty kids who are already <laughs> not paying attention. They can't. Already. You know, if, if speech intelligibility is 50%, you're joining the dots. You're having to do a lot of work to work out what the teacher's saying. And uh, reverberation time in these rooms can be way over a second. That's just fatal for understanding what somebody's saying. Not only that, but it drives the noise up, which is really bad for the health of the teacher. Uh, there was a British teacher recently who sued the government for losing her voice and won a huge amount of money. Um, but teachers are oh, probably wow. shortening their lives by working in that space because it's been now shown that if you're working consistently in noise levels of more than 65 decibels and that you know it's not that loud 
you have to shout to get over it, but it's, it's not ear-threatening. If you work in that for a long period of time, your risk of heart attack and stroke is uh, elevated significantly. Hmm. So I think teachers are actually uh, endangering themselves uh, in that way. And then think about hospitals. I mean, how does Definitely. anyone get well in a place that sounds like that? For goodness sake, it's full of alarms, bells and hisses and beeps and buzzes and clangs. And, you know, the cacophony in hospitals is appalling. The noise level in there is it something like 12 is. times the recommended maximum noise level from the World Health Organization. So it's a shocking problem. It's the number one complaint in America in surveys of people using hospitals. Noise is the number one complaint. At night, you know, you can't sleep. Sleep is how we get well. Yes. And the noise is intruding yes. on that. Uh, and then offices, we've talked about, you know, the poor design of offices. Uh, so you can go on, just look at any space and you'll start to see that it's been designed for the eyes. The ears haven't been thought about very much. And we really do need to start to introduce a concept of oral architecture in the world. I love that concept. Um, and things are designed for the eyes, not the ears. And so thank you for helping us to think about how we would design our lives for our ears. Um, this is great information, and I really thank you. I know we have a couple minutes left, just about a minute and a half, actually. Just wanted to wrap up and ask if you could tell us a little bit more about how to get your book and then also um, some other courses I understand you have coming up. Yes, uh, trying to spread all this information in a practical way and give people ways of dealing with all this stuff around us. So the book, How to Be Heard, is about speaking and listening skills, some of the stuff that we've talked about today and lots and right. lots of exercises. And so that's available in all the usual places. Um, and I'm very excited that we are working on a series of self-paced online tuitions, um, you know, uh, working on both speaking, some of it public speaking, some of it private speaking, listening skills, and dealing with the noise around us. It'll all be in there, a whole set of, you know, everything I know really that I've learned over the past, um, well, goodness knows how many decades, um, which we're really excited about. We're going to put it up as, as video content so people can come to juliantreasure.com and uh, get it. And if, if you want to be kept up to date, just pop along to my website and, and sign up and we'll keep you uh, in the know as those things come out. Great. Thank you very much. JulianTreasure.com. Well, Mr. Julian Treasure, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. And we look forward to hearing from you again soon. That would be great. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye. Bye -bye. You're listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Mastermind. Please join Dr. Rebecca for another show next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll talk again next week.